This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. Kids are, kids are amazing. I'm learning Bethel's culture and your flow. So when I first came to Edmonton in 1990, we had dismissal for preschoolers. And since I was the children's pastor, every Sunday I had the opportunity to pray with them. Um, so it's been since 1993 that we actually dismissed children during the service. So that's like 26 years ago. And uh, so getting to do this up front here is, uh, is a good thing. It's a new thing, good thing, old thing. And uh, glad to be a part of the families that are here. On the screen right now, you're going to see one of my preschoolers. This is our granddaughter. Her name is Anora, And uh, she's turning three today. And so when the service is over this morning, I'm going to be getting in my car, driving back to Leduc, where they're having a birthday party. And then when that's over, I'll get back in my car and drive here. And I should get here at about four minutes to seven. And uh, be able to enjoy the rest of the Glory Boys with you guys. Anora. It, like I say, is three years old. Uh, she's an incredible little girl. Uh, she is actually a daredevil, fearless person. Uh, she's not afraid of anything, and that's her problem. <laughs> uh, she goes on playground equipment. Uh, she goes on paddle boards with her papa. Uh, she ends up climbing 10-foot-high challenging obstacle courses so she climbed up that blue cord all by herself that's 10 feet off the ground and uh, she's not afraid of anything um, she has a strider bike if you've got preschoolers how many know what a strider bike is how many know that a strider bike has no brakes and so Nora will ride down a hill or a gravel road with no brakes going full out, full speed ahead. All I can do is, as a grandpa is just turn away and make sure the car is ready to go to the emergency ward. Uh, everybody else calls her Nora after Nora Jones. Uh, I call her Stitches because I think she's going to be needing those sometimes before she turns 10. Uh, she's going to get used to emergency wards. Our boys were quite familiar with emergency wards. Her dad played football. He ended up in emergency wards quite a number of times uh, and getting stitches there. And so I think Anora's going to follow right along with him um, in terms of being able to experience that. We're looking for a new senior pastor. What if that individual was like Anora? Would you want someone who is fearless risk-taker, trying new things to become your next senior pastor? Right now, it's an open question and an open opportunity. But I do know this. Think about this. Right now, somewhere in the world, there is an individual who is quite happy where they are. They're going about their business on Sunday, their life, maybe their ministry, and they're settled into some place, and they have no idea that that person who is out there will one day be standing right here. And right now, they're quite content with where they are, and they're settled in, and they feel like they're doing what God wants them to do wherever they are. But one day, they're going to get a phone call, and that phone call will become a part of God's call on their lives. And they may feel initially, when they are given the invitation to come to Bethel and Barhead, 
not there, not me, no way. But I know that when they tell their story in the future, there will be the echo of God's Spirit's whisper into their lives that this is the place and you are the people that God is calling them to. And they'll share that with you on this platform. And that will be an exciting moment because that's one of the things, friends, that we deal with, that in the kingdom of God and in working with God and His work, that there is more than meets the eye in our lives. And right now, in the heart of some other individual, the Spirit of God is already preparing them for this congregation, for this town, for His work here. And that's exciting. And I do know this, that when that individual gets here, that they will fall in love with you just like I've fallen in love with you. That's your fingerprints are all over my life already. That no matter how long I'm here with you in terms of helping the board find another lead pastor, I know that you will become a part of the fabric of my life. That you are part of me. That I will never forget you. That I'm appreciative of being here. One of the board members asked me this week, Pastor Bob, how's it going for you? And, and my answer to him was simply, um, Pam, and Peyton, and Leanne, and Greg, and Dan, and Margaret, and Lance, and Jaylene, and Marin. The people that I've had the opportunity to get to meet, and I could name so many others, like Juanita, and, and Denise, and like Tim, and Teresa, and Jennifer, and people that are becoming a part of my life. And when that individual shows up, they will have also the opportunity to know that they get to love you, but they also get to be loved by you. And the opportunity to walk into the future and be able to do something incredible for God, that's the story. And so however long I'm here, I just want you to know that this is a privilege on my part. It's a pleasure on my part. And to pray for you and to know you and to work with you and to get to meet people like Aaron Lee and Jonathan and Brianna and, and see their heart passion for you, to meet Cheyenne and Landon uh, Tisher and have Landon help me with the adult Sunday school class. All those things coming together, absolutely huge. And uh, we have an exciting future. You have an exciting future. And as I said, the very first Sunday I was here, your best days are still to come. Your best days are ahead of you. We have the opportunity to work with God and see that outcome uh, be able to come along. And I think one of the things that I'll always remember too is I think you have two of the longest pews in the entire world in your facility. The back row there and the back row here. If you've never sat there, they're absolutely incredible. I've never seen, I didn't know they could make pews that long. Uh, those are huge um, that are in the back there. And the other thing too is if, if anybody is sitting over in this section, we do want you to know that there are passports available to sit over in this section sometime. And as well, everybody over here, there are passports for the middle and over on this side. And just that whole different press perspective sometimes of a Sunday morning and, and be able to connect and, and be involved in that way. Whenever God has a need and he sees a need, he always sends a person. God is always looking for a woman or a man of any age, a boy or girl, teen, senior, but he always looks for a person. In the book of Isaiah, God speaks and he says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And God says, go. I want to share with you three simple three-letter words today. That if you're new to faith or new to church or new to the Bible, they will explain, I believe, a beginning and entry point into God's heart and who God is like. 
I'm going to use three three-letter words because I'm also going to use two words that are fairly large and complex. So if you have a pen and paper, uh, not the paper that we want you to turn in, but maybe something else, or you've got your iPhone and you can take notes there, if you just want to get ready and be able to mark some of these things down, they will be huge. I've called this message The Who, because God is always looking for a who, and you are one of those who's that God is looking for, I believe. So the idea of the who. In the New Testament, the words are put together to describe God's heart, and they sound just like this. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's found in the Gospel of John, the fourth book in the New Testament, authored by one of Jesus' disciples. And it's probably perhaps one of the most well-known verses in our entire world. When he thinks about the world, this is what God thinks. And you'll see the words on the screen right now. And the word who is what stands out to me. The whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. On your sheet there, and as we move along, I would like you to think about the word God, a three-letter word, but absolutely confounding when you think about God. If you think that you have God all figured out, then you may need to do a bit more figuring because there is so much more to God than meets the eye or meets our hearts or meets our experience. And I want to talk with you about that right now. When you think about God, I think what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And thinking about God, there is a word that describes God. This is one of the words I'd like you to write down, please. It's not a three-letter word. It's the word transcendent. Transcendent. It's a key word because it describes God in a very significant way. Transcendent simply means the otherness of God. His superiority to everything that we can touch or taste or feel or see. His otherness. It's the fact that God is not like us. He is other than us. And, and this is what transcendent means. That transcendent is over everything. That he is superior, greater than. Anything you can think of that makes God different than everything we know is God. That's what transcendent means. Um, it talks about existing apart from anything of human experience. So God exists apart from anything of our human experience. God doesn't need air. He doesn't need food. He doesn't need time. He doesn't need anything that we need in our lives. Um, and so transcendent is a huge word. Most religions use the word transcendent when describing their God, whether you're talking about Allah, whether you're talking about uh, any of the other gods from the pagan world, from ancient history, or even near history, transcendent. And the Bible talks about the fact in Ephesians that there is one God who is over all and through all and in all. That's God. One God who is over all, through all, and in all. Now, in that verse, there's another three-letter word, and it's the word son. So three-letter word, three words. The idea of who and God and Son. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Friends, this is where everything changes in terms of our world. 
You wrote down the word transcendent. Let me ask you to write down one other word. It's the word imminent. Imminent. So transcendent and imminent. Those two words, by their very definition, are mutually exclusive. They're not like mac and cheese. They're not like soup and sandwich. Um, they're not like Captain and Tennille. Uh, they're not like Simon and Garfunkel, things that go together. Transcendent and imminent are mutually exclusive. They do not work together. You can be transcendent, but you cannot be imminent. You can be imminent, but you cannot be transcendent. And yet God is described as both in this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God, who is transcendent, the Bible tells us through Jesus, became imminent. You see, imminent is within the realm of human experience. It's constrained. It's limited. Transcendent means that God is infinite, sovereign, omniscient, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere at the same time, always. That's the transcendent aspect of God. Imminent means limited. All the other gods that are spoken of in any religion, and this is what makes Christianity different. All the other gods are seen as only transcendent. They are not seen as imminent. And when we read our Bible and we hear the story of Christmas, about how God chose to become like a little baby, but even before that, chose to impregnate a woman by the name of Mary, by the Holy Spirit, that's what the Bible says, that God chose to constrain himself and become just like us, that should get our attention. This is how incredible God is, that God chose the one who made everything that we can see and touch and taste and feel, be chose to become just like us. And I'm, I'm not sure if transcendent and imminent are words that are complex that you just may choose maybe not to engage or pay attention to, but I hope for a moment you will, because what it does is it catches our attention, because if what I am saying to you is true, and if what everybody online is watching, if you would say that is what Bob is saying today true, then if it's true, you need to pay attention to it. You can escape paying attention to it because something occurred in our world thousands of years ago where God became like us. The transcendent became imminent. The two things that are mutually exclusive became the same in one. And that changes everything we understand about the world. You see, Jesus, this is what he said. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. When he said that to his disciples, they didn't get it. They really didn't understand it. Because you see, his disciples knew Jesus as a teacher, a rabbi. They watched him do miracles. They watched him open the eyes of the blind. They saw him raise people from the dead. They heard him teach and act just like a rabbi, Pharisee, even like a prophet. But never did those 12 men who followed Jesus ever think that he was God. They never had that into their minds. They did not understand that. Not until after Jesus was crucified and he was raised from the dead and he appeared to them did they actually get it. And that's very much like all of us. It's, it's really hard, I think, in our lives, now 2,000 years removed and not having seen Jesus or been there for all that he did, to comprehend the aspect of God who is transcendent, squeezing himself into the form of a person and becoming imminent. But the greatest gift that God's given to us is become just like this. If you ask who God is, look no further than Jesus. And I ask the question, 
I wonder if God is more Christ-like than we give him credit for. That God is more like Jesus than we actually give him credit for. And the opportunity to understand that and, and the other words of Jesus in what he said. John writes about Jesus that he was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. So here's the creator of the world has become just like us. And when he was seen and heard and observed and tested, people didn't get it. They didn't understand that he was the creator in the form of a creation, that the transcendent had become imminent, that that which was other had become similar and took something in common. In the month of October, I want to share with you from the verses that you'll find in the New Testament book called Philippians chapter 2. And I want to go through a, a series of messages that just delve into those particular verses that play off of this exactly. I'm not sure if you recognize the guys in the picture here. They were just on your platform, at least one of them was. Uh, that's Tim Neufeld at the start out there. He was in a band with his brothers called Starfield. Anybody remember Starfield? All right. And, and so Starfield was a band that was formed in Winnipeg and this was their purpose. Their purpose was to lift up Jesus so he is impossible to ignore. I want to have you follow a story that I think is impossible to ignore. And it's the story of a young man by the name of Tim. His last name is Tebow. I'm not sure if anybody knows Tim Tebow. Some hands? Oh, Shannon knows Tim Tebow. Okay, a few more people know Tim Tebow. Well, when, when my boys were younger... Saturday afternoons were NCAA football. That's what we did. We watched football, and my youngest son had Penn State as his favorite team. My oldest son, Corey, was the Florida State Seminoles, and my team were the Florida Gators, University of Florida Gators. And they were fortunate to have a young man by the name of Tim Tebow become their quarterback. And, and Tim Tebow set records for football players. I should maybe pause here. Uh, one of the things that other people know about me is I kind of like football. And a lot of my illustrations are from the field of sports and from football. And, and so if you indulge me in this one, I think you won't regret it when you hear the end of the story. But Tim played um, in uh, college football, and college football players usually use eye black under their eyes. It's not makeup, it's not mascara, it's just eye black. It keeps them from having the light shine in their eyes. And so Tim Tebow took to writing words in his eye black. And this is Tim on the cover of Sports Illustrated. When he played for Florida, he wore the verse from Philippians. Philippians, P-H-I-L, 4, 13, in his eye black. It's the verse that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, Tim has a lot of fun with this because he talks about the fact that people coming up to him, some of his fans, asking, who's Phil? <laughs> And they start actually merchandise Philippians, or P-H-I-L, 413. They put it on jerseys, they put it on uh, handouts, they put it on coffee mugs, and they sold uh, P-H-I-L, 413. A lot of people had no idea what it was about, but Tim did. Tim says that in, in NCAA football, coaches are very superstitious. And when his team got to play for the national championship, he felt, he heard God in his mind saying, Tim, you've worked with Philippians 4.13 all your career as an NCAA quarterback, I want you to change it. I want you to mark down J-O-H-N 316 in your eye black. And so Tim, because he knows his coach, Steve Spurrier, um, goes to Steve and he says to him, you know, um, 
I'm going to change my eye black. And Steve goes, you can't. We won because of your eye black. We're here because of what you wrote in your eye black. You can't change it. And Tim says, well, I, I'm going to change it to J-O-H-N 316. And, and Steve, his coach, was absolutely freaked out. He believed that they would lose the national championship game. The Gators played Oklahoma. I remember watching it with my boys in January. And that game, Tim Tebow uh, led his team, set records in passing, and they won the game. And that night, 94 million people Googled J-O-H-N 316. It was the most Googled world that day. Now, here's the story. Three years later, Tim Tebow was drafted, eventually ended up playing for the Denver Broncos as their quarterback. He started as a backup, became a starter. He set uh, people's attention on him because he would come into the game when they were losing and then they would win the game. And everybody thought this was incredible. And for the first time in a while, the Denver Broncos got into the playoffs and they were playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was exactly three days after Tim had won the national championship with the Gators. In the NFL, and this is what's interesting, after Tim wrote John 3.16 on his eye black, the NCAA banned any player putting words in their eye black. The NFL had already banned that. So when Tim Tebow played quarterback this day, um, and again, that's him after winning the national championship, uh, and people got to know Tim for what they called Tebowing, where he would kneel on the field and pray. Um, he couldn't wear it in his eye black that day. But when the game ended and the stats were recorded, this is what happened on January the 8th, 2012, in that game. Tim passed for 316 yards. The yards per rush, the average was 3.16. The yards per completion were 31.6. On third and 16, the Broncos intercepted a pass from the Steelers that led to significant points in the game, a field goal. And the game ratings that night, when they were watching on television, when Tim Tebow threw his 80-yard touchdown pass and run that won them the game, were 31.6. When that evening ended, even without wearing eye black, 90 million people Googled John 3.16, because of Tim Tebow being in that game. When one NFL executive was told those statistics, he said, if those are true, I'm converting. <laughs> the odds of those numbers coming to pass is absolutely incredible. And that game, you can find it on Wikipedia. It's called the John 3.16 game. It has its own reputation. Tim Tebow was brought on to national television programs uh, just to be able to share the story of what John 3.16 actually means and why that's important to him. You know, to me, that's just one of those things, and, and I've written a blog about it on my blog, and if, you're, if you want to follow along, it's called Rev Words. I try to put on two a week, and I entitled the article, Big Coincidence or Big God? I think if you know me, you know where I'm coming from, that there's a big God that very often does things to get our attention, and that transcendent God chose to become imminent, that he sent his son Jesus into the world, that God became our Savior, through His Son. And right now, the most important word is who. Who. That whoever believes in Him. Have you believed in Him? Watching online today, have you believed in Jesus? Believe that He loves you. Believe that He is God, fully God and fully man. 
transcendent and imminent at the same time. That he came into this world to do what only God could do. You see, nobody could pay for our situation. When we use the word sin, I think all you have to do is read comments on YouTube to discover how broken our world is, or even how people use Twitter and the things that they say about each other. The social media can so often be unsocial, and I think so often it's a revelation of what's in our hearts, of a meanness, and sometimes of vindictiveness, and just things that happen that shouldn't happen. And God came into our world solely because inside all of us that we're broken, the Bible calls it sin, that we've fallen short of what Jesus calls the glory of God. But God came and became like us. He didn't leave us alone. And here's the big thing about love, that when God's creation turned their back on him, he chose to become like us. He chose to send us his son. Have you ever had somebody hurt you, turn their back on you, betray you? speak evil about you, rip you off. Well, that's what in, we have done as individuals. And what God chose to do was not take us to court. God didn't choose us to sue us. He didn't choose to turn his back on us. He actually gave us his son. He gave us his son, Jesus, who died in our place to do something that we could not do. You see, because man cannot forgive sin and God cannot die. And so God had to become a man so that he could die in our place. He had to become like us so that he could give his life. It's a story that if you listen to it and lean into it, it will change your life. I think our world has slowly changed through humanistic, atheistic, secular influences in our lives. And at times we're not even quite sure that that's happened all around us. But I think that it's left all of us a little more cynical and jaded and broken and that certainly has created a sense of anxiety and depression and, at best, codependency in our world. And so how do we move forward? That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus loves us. That's why he came to die for us. And I mentioned to you about Enora. This is what Enora drew in her Sunday school class a couple of weeks ago, that Jesus is the good news. Now, her name's down in the bottom corner. She didn't write that, but her teacher did. But that was her coloring. And I think that the story of Jesus is simple enough for a child to understand. And sometimes is it not true that we as adults, that once we were little kids and there's still a child inside of us, but we, we tend to think more so with our head than our heart. And sometimes we tend to turn away from things that are of faith, where we believe. Because sometimes people say, belief is a crutch. Um, that being a person of faith is something that you need because you're weak. I think being a person of faith is something that you discovered that you needed, but you're courageous because you've followed a belief and a faith. And if you haven't made a choice yet to believe on Jesus, what better day than today? Three simple words, God, Son, and who. And when you know the who is the other three-letter word, you, the invitation is simply to say yes, another three-word letter word. Yes to God. Yes, I want you in my life. Yes, I need you in my life. Yes, I ask that you come and change me from the inside out, that you become my Savior and my God, that the transcendent, I believe, has become imminent, that Jesus was God, that all he showed us about himself, he showed us about God, and I can lean into him and trust him. And you see, the beauty for our lives is the ability to simply say yes back to him.
You see, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that, and I put a blank there, that you could put your name in there, that Bob believes in him. So I would not perish, but have eternal life. And you can put your name in there. There's nothing more important than you and your name and a choice. And so you may have come to Bethel or you may have watched online or you might be familiar with the idea of invitations to faith and you've heard it all before, but this is the day, the 22nd of September, 2019, when you would say, just like it is for my three-year-old granddaughter's birthday, a new beginning for you, that you could mark in your life and on your calendar, September 22nd, 2019, that was the day I said yes to God, yes to Jesus, yes to believing this. And you would be glad to make that choice throughout this whole facility and online today. I want to invite you to do that right now in this place with nothing more than where you're seated, at your pew or at your table at home or at your chair, by your computer or maybe on your iPad. And you know that God's speaking to you and that this is your moment and this is your time to say yes. And so in your heart, in your life, in your spirit, to simply just look up to God and to be able to say, yes, thank you for dying for me. I believe that. And I put myself in the picture and I write my name in that line and I say, I believe. And so for everyone in this room that has made that choice and everyone watching online that is making that choice today, I would love to know that. I'd love to know your first name and, and just be able to pray for you. And, and we've tried to make it very simple to respond. And so we mentioned before about texting the word hello, if you would simply text the word follow to 780-707-5569. When you do that, we'll be back in touch with you. But what this is a step that says that I want to move in the direction of belief and in faith in Jesus. And I want to make that personal and real in my life. And whether you're seated here or watching online, the ability to take that step, to text that word, follow. I want to follow Jesus and to be able to celebrate that with you. I want to pray with you and just close off this morning and just ask God's blessing in your life. And the rest of our day, uh, when the, Tim comes back with his friends uh, tonight, and I just ask you to bow your heads with me. Lord, I am so confident in the fact that a simple gathering like this and sharing words with people and telling stories true stories, remarkable stories, the story of your love for us. I'm convinced that your Holy Spirit is at work in the lives of people, that you care about them, you care enough to die for them, and that you love them. And Lord, in my own heart, I understand what it is to love a congregation, but you love perfectly. You allow us to come just as we are, without any judgment. But in this moment, I know that there are people in this room that are saying yes to you, that this is their moment. And they're acknowledging the fact that there is a God who loves them, that there is a Savior named Jesus who died for them, that there is a way to experience a new beginning, a healing in our spirits. And they're saying yes to you. They are the who for this moment. And I pray that as they simply either text the word follow or say yes to you, that they would experience something very profound in their lives right now that they would feel emotionally that the God who created them is doing something in their lives of transformation and of change and of forgiveness 
and of healing. You're making people whole right now, Jesus. You're freeing them from the stuff of their past. You're helping those who are broken to find healing and wellness. And I thank you for that, Jesus. And thank you for every prayer that's been offered. And to you, we want to give you all the glory. We love you. We want to live for you and serve you. And so we commit ourselves to that and pray in Jesus' name now. Amen. Amen. Friends, if you are here this morning and you've said yes to Jesus, and that yes was given a year ago, a decade ago, a few decades ago, maybe a month ago, I want to encourage you with the idea of who. That you are the who that God wants to send to someone else this week. To speak up in a class or to share at a place of work. Just like Isaiah, where God said, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. When we get together on Sunday mornings or whenever we gather together, the most important aspect is what happens when we leave. Here is good, and it's great to be together. But when we leave this place and go outside these doors and you go back to your homes or eventually this week to school or work or wherever you gather, it's what happens in those moments that matter more than right now. Because the encounter we have with God is to be taken outside these walls and share with others. So right now when we conclude, you'll notice we didn't do something this morning. We didn't shake hands. We didn't walk and meet each other. And that was very intentional because now's the time to do that. Now's the t- last week I asked you to go look for Nancy. Uh, now's the time to go find somebody in the foyer or somewhere else that you haven't met today and just say, hey, good morning, my name's... My name's Bob. You don't have to all be Bob. That's not the script, right? But just tell them your name. Tell them you're glad to see them. And, and find out their name. and Learn how long they've been here. And maybe you'll meet some guests in the foyer. I hope you will do that. And again, I'm glad you've come along. Tonight, 7 o'clock is when we gather again. Those sheets that you filled out, um, please, before you leave the room, finish them off. And then just take them to the information desk to your right as you make your way out. Just leave them on top of the information desk. Okay? And we'll gather those, and we're going to be using those. And thank you for filling them out today. Well, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for tuning in and watching today. We will see you later tonight, along with the Glory Boys. Thank you.